0: Shalom. Today we're going to talk about a topic which I think you'll find tremendously fascinating. And we're talking with a real hero of the Jewish people, somebody who's sacrificed for himself and his family and has picked up and moved from the comforts of living in the United States, not just to live in Israel, but to live on the front lines of what's going on in Israel and the interaction between the Palestinian conflict and the Israeli communities, who's right in Hebron. Hebron is the place of the burial of our patriarchs and our matriarchs, the second most holy city in the whole of the world for the Jewish people. And he's there to defend the dignity and the honor and the education of future generations for the Jewish people worldwide. So it's my pleasure to introduce you to Rabbi Dan Cohn, who is living now in Hebron. Dan, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. And we look forward to hearing all about what you're doing there. First of all, if you could explain with our, to our audience, what exactly brought you to pick up your family and move to Hebron, of all places?
1: I'll give a short background. Uh, when I was six, my family moved to Israel. And uh, I grew up, I grew up uh, most of my life in Israel. I was in the army for three years. I was in yeshiva there. Uh, we were living in the States for a few, for a few years, myself, my wife, my children. Uh, we were working in the Chabad network as uh, emissaries, and uh, at one point, we're talking about when the whole um, recent intifada, recent uprisal, war of terror that started uh, about two years ago. Uh, when that started, I was uh, I found it very hard for to sit to sit in New York or to sit in Chicago where we were living. And uh, to hear what was going on there and uh, to be, to be, to be out, out of it, meaning not that we're looking for a fight, we're working for war, but once you're in the army for three years and you have a unit, you have friends that you're connected to and everybody serves together, and to hear that they're all participating in battles and stuff like that and you're, you're not involved, it, it hurts very much, it troubles very sure, much. Sure, I can
0: imagine. So you uh-huh. decided to pick up and move.
1: That was one of the reasons. We'd be constantly trying to uh, be be updated on the news all the time, and our minds were really not not, not here. Right. And uh, we now, just...
0: Let me ask you a question. There were Chabad emissaries that were in Kirad Arba, which is a Jewish enclave right outside of Hebron, but there had never been an official Obama representative to serve the community in Hevron, Hebron in the, the city itself.
1: That's true. Rabbi Victor Atiya. he moved uh, 16 years ago with his family to Kirat Arba, and he's been working in the greater area. Interesting. But uh, he really needed also a couple that would, be, uh, that would be courageous enough or crazy enough, depends how you look <laughs> at it, to be willing to move into Hebron. So
0: how many Jews are there in Hebron itself?
1: Today, unfortunately, and we could talk about that, why there's only 80 families of Jews
0: 80 families. 80 families. families Now you're surrounded by the Arab community. Right. Totally surrounded.
1: Totally surrounded.
0: So you have a small enclave in the middle of the Arab community.
1: Exactly.
0: How do you relate to the Arab community? Is there any interaction whatsoever? There
1: isn't any interaction, and uh, thank God for that, because if there would be, it would probably be for the worse. do you ever
0: have anger expressed at you, or their name-calling? You know, well, know, of the course,
1: ch- there's a lot of uh, terror attacks, and we're, we're experiencing what the whole country has ex- been experiencing for the past uh, few months and right. few years.
0: And you're probably experiencing a much more intense right. level.
1: But uh, one I'll just explain, some of the uh, viewers might have been in Chevron already. And uh, what has changed really today is that when you come to Hebron today, to the Jewish area, to the Cave of the Patriarchs, the Ma'arat HaMachpelah, and you walk around the Jewish neighborhoods, up until a few years ago, you would be walking amongst thousands of Arabs. There would be around 200 stores, Arab stores, right in the Jewish area. And it would be very unpleasant to walk. There would be a lot of clashes, of course, a lot of harassment from the Arabs towards the Jews, towards the visitors. One of the positive things, if we could say such a thing about uh, all the terror attacks that happened in Hebron, mainly the uh, year 2002, 2001, when there, when there would be shooting every night into the Jewish community... Every night? Every night. Every night. We, fortunately, we weren't living there at the time. But, uh, thank God, there was miracle after miracle you, you could just take a tour and walk into Jewish homes and see the bullet holes in the refrigerator, bullet holes in the kitchen, bullet holes in the bathroom.
0: Was anybody killed as a result of those? Yes,
1: unfortunately, of course, we thank Hashem for all the miracles, and it was just amazing to see that in a natural way there should have been much more casualties, but there was a famous case of the baby, Shalhevit Pas, a year-old baby of dear friends of ours that was killed and shot in the Avram Avinu neighborhood by a sniper that directed the uh, gun uh, straight to our head. So, one of the positive things, as I was saying, is that really today, because the Arab population that lived inside the Jewish area, meaning Jewish area, meaning the properties that were owned by Jews before 1929 and Arabs after the massacre moved into them, all of them left. If you walk today in the Jewish enclave, you hardly see hardly see any Palestinians, any Arabs, and that is because. Every night there would be shooting, like I said. Sure, and the IDF, lot. of course, responded, and they were in the middle.
0: Right, so and they, they
1: wanted to get out. Right, and they, they chose now, to leave. What
0: kind of reception did you get from those 80 families when they saw that Chabad was sending a couple with the family to live in their midst just to help them to be able to strengthen right. their amunah, their faith and their, their sense of mission for what they were doing. What was their reaction?
1: It's interesting. Uh, really what helped us is that uh, I was in a yeshiva, in the hezder yeshiva. Hezder yeshiva is where you combine both learning Torah and going to the army in a combat unit. And I was doing that in Kirat Arba, which was, which was just, it, it, it is just above Hebron a few minutes' drive away. So it really helped that for many years I was involved in the community, helping out in different things, and uh, just uh, my heart is there since I'm a teenager. Interesting. So it's really natural that we we found ourselves um, going there. And um, you would think that in Hebron, a place that is uh, surrounded by Arabs and sometimes uh, attacked, uh, there would be... uh, the community would have to go out and, and seek for people that are willing to come and live, but that's not the case. There's at least 40 families on a waiting list just to...
0: Forty families on a waiting list?
1: There would be much more... So there's just
0: not enough room for... Yeah. Because the enclave has a limited amount of well, space
1: within it. Well, again, unfortunately, um, there is enough room. There's plenty of room. I, there's, there's buildings there that Arabs abandoned, as I just uh, spoke. Right. And uh, Jews used to live there for hundreds of years until 1929, until the Great Massacre, that uh, in one day, the uh, if you were talking about interacting with the Arab population in Hebron, so before 1929, the Arab and Jewish community got along fine. They, were, uh, they t- did business together. They lived side by side. The uh, Arabs used to be treated uh, for free in the medical uh, building, the Hadassah, the famous Hadassah organization. Right. So there's the Beit Hadassah in Hebron. And uh, what happened was that a few days before the riot started in 1929 in the summer, members of the Haganah, which was a Jewish underground in the time of the, the British uh, mandate, they came to Chevron to warn the community, saying that they have information that there's going, to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of rioting, a lot of inciting, and we came here to protect you. They came with a group of men with uh, arms, of course, and they wanted to stand guard. And the leaders of the Jewish community tragically told them, uh, listen, we, we have a great relationship with our neighbors. Please don't stay here. If you stay stay here, it'll only provoke them. It'll get them angry that we were afraid or something. And they sent them off. And uh, unfortunately, a few days later, um, the Arabs, That's the same Arabs, yeah, mm-hmm. the same Arabs that used to be their best friends and used to it's all documented, it's all uh, photographed, and uh, it can be seen in Hebron in different books, how in a very brutal manner, it wasn't just shooting them, it was really, really uh, hard uh, scenes. I've
0: seen the pictures.
1: These people were killed. So the property that Arabs were living living inside up until a year ago, where they, they abandoned them now recently, uh, is Jewish property.
0: So it's available except that the government didn't well, yes, allow it would more make people sense to come that
1: in. It would make sense that the Jewish government would allow Jews to live there. Uh, we're not talking about an outpost, we're not talking about a, a settlement that uh, sometimes people tend to think that it's questionable, if it belongs to the Jewish people, if not. We're talking about Hebron. If there is one place in Israel that is the most moral and ethical place for Jews to return is Hebron. The only reason there aren't thousands of Jews living in Hebron today is because of the massacre in 1929, otherwise the there was a continuous Jewish community from the days of King David. King David, we all know, his main uh, kingship was in Jerusalem, but for the f- his first seven years, he was king in Hebron. That's where he started. And um, from those days till 1929, there was always a Jewish community. Sometimes mm-hmm. it was larger, there were periods of time where, it, when it was smaller, when there was hardships, but... What stopped it all was the massacre in 1929. Can, can you
0: tell us a little bit also about the history of Chabad in Hebron? Because I know Chabad has been very strongly rooted there right. for many, many years, and the Lebes had a very close... What is the
1: connection? connected also to the first question you asked me about us coming there. Because really what drew, drew us there is not, not only coming back to where we were born and coming... To where we felt comfortable and connected was really the, the mission of reviving the, the Chabad life inside Hebron. Chabad, the early 1800s, to be a group of Chabad Hasidim came to Hebron for a hundred years. Uh, they were the main structure of the Ashkenazic uh, community in Hebron. Hundreds of Hasidim living there. There were shuls and schools and mikvahs. Really? And, and there are many sites today in Hebron, property by the, the families of the, the rebbe of the Rebbis of Chabad, and the, there's a famous burial site of the granddaughter of the Baal Atanya, the first uh, Chabad uh, leader, the first uh, Rebbe. And uh, one of the things that we really do there is try to have, uh, we have a learning center there, and in different historic sites of Chabad, we, we turn them into a, an, a place that draws people to come and see and learn and visit, and so on and so forth so really it's, it's amazing if you look through the books of all the Chabad rabbis uh, throughout the years it's amazing how many times Chevron is mentioned how much it's cared for. It's for for instance there's a famous quote by the fifth Rebbe of Chabad that built a lot of property that bought, bought a lot of property in Chevron. the Rebbe Rashab Rabbi Shmuel Shalom uh, Dov Ber Shneroson and uh, he 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 wrote the famous quote is that he said that, that in my opinion, in his opinion, it was, it is more important to buy houses in Hebron than to build Jerusalem. And Interesting. Yes, because uh, and and in, di- in different Hasidic uh, texts of Chabad, it's explained at length. Uh, also, in, according to Kabbalah, how important it is to be near our fathers. That all our prayers, we know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was, were the ones that instituted the formal prayer, the uh, evening, mor- the morning and afternoon and evening services, and it was done inside Hebron. So therefore, by having Jews come to this day and pray by them and uh, connect to that, that root where the prayer started mm-hmm. from, so that really brings salvation and help to the whole uh, Jewish people. Right, besides the on. fact,
0: of course, in the Torah itself, it describes very clearly how Abraham bought and. For the property that he buried Sarah in, so Sarah was the first one that was buried in the cave of the patriarchs and yes. the Marilocks, And as we have the formal agreement, but nonetheless, many people who are going to look at say uh, Rabbi Cohen, uh, I respect your conviction, but in this day and age, we have to try to compromise. We have to try to work out some peace. And you're an eyesore, or all these settlers, quote unquote, who are in the in the "Quote unquote West Bank, they are an occupied territory, or, and you know coming out in such a way as as almost to put to put you on the defensive of why are you living there? How do you respond to a person who will ask you that question and then in the name of peace, wonder why you're there as an nice sort to be able to constantly stop the peace from progressing?"
1: Well, our answer really is that we are there in the name of <laughs> saying that we don't have a right. It's hard to say that a community. Been living there for hundreds thousands of years and the only reason they weren't there was a, a, a recess or a stop of uh, 30 38 years was because of a massacre and they don't have right to return to their own homes so of course that this is not true but if so there, there are people that think that yes of course we have a right but for peace, Which, of course, we know that according to uh, Judaism, the most important thing is uh, human life. And in order to save lives, maybe we should leave. And really the reason uh, it's amazing to see, it's frightening. But if you follow the news very closely, I would say a rough rough estimate is that probably over 70% of suicide bombers inside Israel, uh, terrorist attackers come from Hebron. Hebron is always...
0: Seventy percent.
1: I would say so. I may be missing, but, but uh, yes, yes, it's uh, amazing time after time that the families and the the organizations are coming out of Hebron. Hebron has always been a hotbed of Islamic fundamentalists and terrorism. And um, well, of course, we, the community and the communities all over of Judea and Samaria opposed to the agreements giving... Over our security, the security of the whole land of Israel, over to the Palestinian authority and their forces, and we objected it before Oslo and how much more and a lot more now when we saw the results sure. but if the army i for instance, I was in the reserve duty in a, f- a few months ago, of course, everybody knows that in Israel once uh, you finish your three years of service that that is not enough unfortunately, and we Continue are taken into the men's club many, once, many once a year uh, for a month if you were in a combat unit. And there you, you stand. You stand uh, guard. You patrol. And I was in the area near uh, Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Right, which is neighboring to the Jewish neighborhood in Jerusalem of Gilo. We're not talking about a settlement or any place that is... We We'd have no questions in our mind that everything belongs to the Jewish people according to the Bible. But if anybody has a question, Gilo is right in Jerusalem. And uh, the people that withdrew, the government that withdrew the army from Bethlehem, they thought that um, by doing so, they will help the peace. Like people may mm-hmm. think that if Jews leave Hebron, they will bring peace. And what, it really, what really happened was instead of having the army control terror inside the Arab territory in Bethlehem, uh, what happened was that they started shooting into the Jewish neighborhood of Gilo. And night after night, uh, people, uh, right, if I you remember. come to Giloh, you see mm-hmm. the blockades, you see these, yeah. the. Yeah, the, the Boloholes all over the place. So, really, uh, the army today, thank God, is inside Hebron, and I don't even want to think how worse it, could, it would be. If, if all over Israel today there's attacks and, and bombs coming at, from Hebron, and this is while the IDF is inside, what would happen uh, if that wouldn't be the case, that we would leave there? And, of course, the the main reason that there's a Jewish community there is because we, we want to ensure that the thousands, and really it's amazing to see that although the security situation and what's going on, still tens of thousands of people come to to Hebron every, every month. Mm-hmm. It's probably one of the most popular tourist sites in Israel. So
0: you, as the Chabad representative there, a lot of your time is spent with the tourists also to be able to uh, acclimate them and to explain to them what's going on there, the importance of keeping a strong in- Israeli and Jewish presence in Hebron?
1: That's true, but our, our main work is really with the security forces. Really? Of course, Interesting. we do things with the so tourists. So I
0: suppose your enclave is also protected by the security forces yes, as yes, well. Yes, yes, so
1: I, t- I tell people that while we were living in New York, uh, I was never able to tell my little children, you know, goodbye, go to the playground and come back later and uh, ironically in Hebron, the dangerous Hebron where kids run around freely, they go to the neighborhood of course it's thanks to Hashem that's watching, God that's protecting us but of course to the IDF that has, that is stationed around the Jewish neighborhood in a way that really protects us
0: very good. Interesting. So what other things do you do with the security forces there? I know, let's say, for instance, you have an excellent CD <laughs> which talks about much of what is going on over there, and I saw the pictures of the <laughs> tanks coming into Hebron. This is when they retook Hebron after they saw what was, uh, that right. the PA was not able to handle the security problems, and you were busy there putting on the tefillin and uh, keeping keeping busy with all the soldiers, and they must have eaten it up, especially knowing that you were a former soldier yourself.
1: Right, that, that helps a lot, that we have the same background. But really what we do in Chevron is what Chabad uh, Shlichim, Chabad emissaries do around the world, is to be uh, a spot, to be a place in a city where every Jew can feel comfortable to come and to connect to his Judaism. Now, a lot of people are familiar with the famous... Uh, Uh, Israeli backpackers that they uh, finished their three years in the army and, of course, wanting to breathe a little bit, they take their backpack and they go to the Far East and they go to Vietnam and to Hong Kong and to Thailand. And uh, many, many of these soldiers, it's it's sad to say that sometimes in Israel a Jew can grow up for 20 years, go through the educational system and not really know anything about Judaism. We have soldiers that come to Hebron... And I've never really heard of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Or even if they heard on, about uh, them, are you serious? Yes. Even in e- a public school, e- even if they right, heard about even it, even so? if they heard about it,
0: they don't realize the importance. They of
1: they it. won't they won't make the connection between the the city that they're guarding and the the site, the cave of the patriarchs, and this that Abraham, oh, Isaac, and Jacob. So really, what we try to do is um, a lot of a lot of times these backpackers, these former Israeli soldiers, the first time they ever meet Judaism is when they go to the Far East, where their soul is awakened because right. they're far away and that's where they put on tefillin and that's where they, they learn a little bit so we try to connect to the that they should make that connection to Judaism in Hebron Hebron in Hebrew means lechaber means to connect and uh, really uh, the best place for children to connect is by their parents' table and that's, that's what Hebron is all about
0: Very, very nice Tell me, do you and your family live in fear?
1: No I say that a definite no. Um, you have to be a little bit uh, crazy to say <laughs> to live in a place like that. But but really, really, first of all, the situation unfortunately today in Israel is is that you, you really don't know where to expect it. I mean, there there are people living in settlements that are so-called, you know, surrounded by Arabs. They're so to say more in danger than people living in the city. And then they were hurt while they were shopping in Jerusalem when a bus right, blew up
0: in the middle of Jaffa.
1: So the people living in Hebron, of course, have a tremendous amount of faith that uh, the, per- the, the, the one that decides, uh, decide, death, right so will we'll decide uh, when, when the time comes. But really also, it's an amazing uh, place. It's a spiritual place. And uh, walking in the streets there, you feel that, that energy. And uh, having tourists come and having uh, the streets protected by the IDFs, of course, that, that adds to the sense of uh, security. I can imagine
0: amongst the 80 families that are there, there must be a tremendous sense of of, of unity, of a sense of mission, of a, right. a purpose that everybody's fulfilling together. And. A, a
1: It's true, it's because people that ca- came to live there really, although there are some apartments in Hebron that are beautiful, but nobody really came there for the quality of life. <laughs> right. People came there because of that mission of making sure that Hebron will be open for all the ch- Jewish people in the world and all the nations of the world to come and pray by Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the cave of the patriarchs. Right. And, uh,
0: uh, and your wife is totally acclimated to this. And as far as sending the kids out... Are you able to go outside the enclave without yes. police escort?
1: Yes, yes, yes. It's a town problem. it's 95% it's of the time we leave and lead a normal life. The children go to kindergartens and go to to the, cares, the daycare centers and to the swimming pool and
0: Okay, so you're not in a closed-off no, no, enclave and that's No. no. In that no. Sense. It's you're just living it's in the place a, which is guarded but you go out in during the day. Go and you out go to work and, and, you, go and you go out. the main activities like are
1: in Kiryat Arba which is a few minutes away really most of the time, 95% of the time it's quiet. We have the problem with the other 5%. Right. But uh, one of the things in the community we're talking about unity is really the um, one of the things that that the IDF came to a conclusion that the best response to terror inside settlements is creating a first response team. Yes. That that was combined from uh, people that were former soldiers in combat units and we were trained to if God forbid something happens, to be the first one that responds. Because until the security forces come in, it's better to have men that are familiar with every alley and every corner to be there. And it proved itself in many places around uh, Judea and Samaria. And, of course, in Hebron, this is also something that I'm involved in because of my uh, army background. And uh, there is a great unity, a great willing to, uh, to come to out and, yes, <coughs> to help mm-hmm. it when it's needed.
0: Right. What kind of reactions have you gotten from the soldiers when you go out and you put on tefillin, you give them encouragement, you teach them about the importance of what they're doing, of how, how much need it is, and how much everybody in the world is uh, giving them a yeshekoach, needs their service?
1: It takes a few weeks until the soldiers start reali- realizing that they're not, they're not in a, just a regular post or somewhere. Every place in Israel is special but they're really guarding the, the second holiest city for, for every Jewish person around the world and a place where everybody, like we said, comes to connect. And um, a lot of times in the beginning, there, there are soldiers that um, feel that, you know, like we discussed before, that we shouldn't be there and we should give it up for peace. And I give them a very uh, clear answer on my side that I, I appreciate them that are guarding us much more than us that are living here. How do, how do I say that? Because I tell them, we ca- came to live here out of conviction mm-hmm. that, we're, that we're ha- we have a mission here, we believe in it, but you that are standing here guard eight hours straight in the freezing cold, even though you don't agree with us, that's tremendously appreciated. And that a lot of times opens up the heart and uh, we can nice. have a real conversation.
0: Uh, McCoy, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or want to find out more about what you're doing, how can they find out?
1: There's an organization here in uh, America headed by uh, Mr. Mayor Rhodes. Uh, in Brooklyn that helps us out a lot. It's called Friends of Families of Hebron, and uh, they've really have been very, very supportive of all the activities. Number? Yes, their number is 718
0: 774 2638.
1: Okay, it's 718 774 uh, 2638. Two, and you have a website as well, don't yes. you? Yes, uh, everybody's invited to log Please. on to www.chabad C-H-A-B-A-D Hebron
0: That's H-E-B-R-O-N.com. And
1: And there we update regularly on different activities of the soldiers, of the people coming there.
0: All right. Just one last question also. In terms of peace in Mm -hmm. Israel, do you foresee... Let's take everyone out of the picture. Do you foresee the possibility that the Palestinians will stop their, um, their, their hatred of the Jewish people and that it could possibly come down culturally into the younger grades, into the younger children, to eventually have an acceptance of the Jewish people living there?
1: I would love to say yes, but as an adult, I, I understand that only in fairy tales there's always a happy ending. I don't see the, uh, what's going on now happening, uh, coming to an ending, just from the reason that, you know, people tend to believe that what's going on is because of the settlements, because of Israeli occupation, so I asked these people, I wondered what caused the Arab communities in, all over Israel, not only in Hebron in 1929, when there were no settlements of 1967, there were no obstacles to peace, what, what caused the Arab population to get up and murdered a hundred, hundreds of Jews in a few days? And uh, it's really hard to uh, imagine that there'll be a, a change in a, in a community, in the Arab, in the Palestinian uh, community that lives, that lives in Israel, uh, such a change that, that that will cause them to one piece the same way Jews want it when when your model for, for Jews living around Israel the, the, the role model that you would want your children to imitate as a doctor is a, a rabbi as a soldier uh, When when you walk in Gaza you walk in Hebron and you see that the model that they're trying to portray for their children to imitate is Suicide bombers, it's hard to believe that there'll be a change well, but listen, we let's hope all for pray change, for peace, as right. I say,
0: but be prepared for war, because everybody knows it's a, it's a situation which has no easy solution, and we can only pray and hope that the Palestinians will eventually realize that they're bit in their best interest to stop the intifada and stop the hatred that they have and that they give to their children, and they've uh, invested so much energy into creating. In the meantime, I want to thank you very much for being here, Eric Cohen. It's you a welcome. pleasure to have you here. And keep up your great work. In the meantime, I hope Everybody's
1: invited to come and visit. Ah,
0: Okay, please, you'll check on Rabbi Cohen. You can look up his address, and I'm sure he and his wonderful wife will be happy to take good care of you when you come to Israel. Meantime, remember, do something, make this world a better place. As Rabbi Cohen has, you have the potential to do that too. Take care. We'll see you next week at the same time, same station, and in Jewish Spotlight.